Hey, what's going on? It's Adrian. Before we get into today's episode of Adrian Has Issues, let me ask you a quick question, and it should be like a total no-brainer. How would you like to win two three-day passes to near Comic-Con this fall? You're probably asking yourself, dude, who do I have to kill? The beauty of this is there's no unspeakable acts that you need to perform. All you gotta do is listen to this podcast and maybe a few others for some extra entries. This is all part of Pete's Basement's comic book podcast scavenger hunt. Stick around for details after the ending theme because I'll give you all the details. See that? You get another great episode of Adrian Has Issues, plus a fun bonus post credit scene where you get to win some free stuff. How's that for fan service? Alright, I'm done talking you off for now, or at least until the uh, episode starts proper, but enjoy the show! Tom. This is Jake. And this is Travis. And we are the Drunken Dork Podcast. Tune in every week and listen to us discuss the finer points on superheroes, the latest pop culture news, as well as all of our favorite blues. You can listen to us on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, or the Stitcher app for Android. And be sure to catch up on all of our episodes by visiting us over at www.drunkendorkpodcast.wordpress.com. And remember, folks, you have one liver. Ruin it well. Hey guys, this is Enrica Jang with Red Stylo Media, and you are listening to Adrian King and Adrian Has Issues. and welcome to Adrian Has Issues. As always, I'm Adrian. Uh, today's guest, I just read uh, one of her books. Uh, this is going back a couple weeks ago. I bought this book offline and I'd heard so much about it and it, it got all this acclaim. So I read it and I didn't read it the first couple of weeks because I'm like, okay, I'll get around to it. I picked it up and I kid you not, like I could not put it down. I obsessed over it. I cursed on trains because of it and I just had this great time. But thankfully, the writer of this book, um, which is Flutter, um, is here talking with me. <laughs> but today, uh, I'm talking to Ginny Wood. Ginny, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it, it's been an... Oh, man, this, this book, uh, Flutter, broke me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I say that in the best way possible, but I should introduce you are a writer, uh, musician, um, and just an overall just, just badass person. I'll just say it that way. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll get right into it. The graphic novel Flutter. Now, um, I guess we should get the basic premise of volume one. Flutter is about a girl who shapeshifts into a boy to get her dream girl, and then the chaos that comes from pretending to be someone she's not. And that right there, I'm like, okay, you've already got me. So I read the... I don't even. I think we've maybe followed each other on Twitter prior to getting the book. I'm not even sure who followed whom first. Well, I yeah, I don't remember who followed who for whom first. But um, Adrian has issues jumped out at me because I'm like, that's a great podcast title. 
Thank you. Uh, you know, it just it jumped out at me on Twitter. Yeah, so I picked this up, and what was great about Flutter, and I'm going to try my best not to spoil it, because um, I had another gentleman on uh, late last week, and I know halfway through the recording, like, okay, I know I'm a fan, but yet you want other people to read your book, so I'm going to do my best not to give out any major spoilers this time. But it was so great because, okay, you have the premise of this girl, Lily, who turns into a boy, but then you figure out, okay, the overall story behind how she's able to transform and, you know, why she's transforming. It was just peeling apart layer after layer. And every time I thought I had a handle on the situation, I quite literally would flip a page and be like, oh, shit, was not expecting that. Thank you. That's a great, that's high praise. Thank you so much. Yeah, there's a lot of people on New Jersey Transit who are not happy with me as I reacted to your book. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Hopefully they're like, what? what's he reading? So what was the inspiration behind Flutter? Like, how did this all come about? Because this is something that even in the bio, like, I, I myself don't even know exactly the background of the story. Flutter is, it's a sci-fi world. She's a shapeshifter. But all of that aside... Um, more than anything I've ever written, it's really based in in my teenage years. I grew up in a small town in the South, and I grew up surrounded by boys, by cousins, uh, boy cousins of mine who were older. And I worked at a movie theater after school and on weekends, and I would watch uh, my guy cousins. And these are guys I was really close to and looked up to. Right. And they're the guy, they're, these are the guys who gave me my first comics, X-Men and the Hulk, and exposed me to the first music. And, and I, you know, one cousin, I, the first guitar I ever played was his old acoustic. So these are, you know, guys I were close to and guys I, I wanted to be like. And they would bring their girlfriends, their dates to the movies while I was selling tickets and making popcorn. And, you know, they'd be going in to the movies and making out with these girls. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sitting there making popcorn. And I'm, all I could do was think about at the time, my life would be so much better if I were a guy, if I were one of my cousins. And so I spent a lot of time as a teenager imagining my life as a guy. And, you know... It, did, I, I played sports. I did everything as a girl that, you know, the guys could do except uh, bring a girl to the movies. Because in my, in that small town, it's still the same way pretty much. It just, you just, that doesn't happen um, in high school in this, in, in a lot of small towns. It's changing uh, for the better, and it's, but it's still changing slowly in certain areas of, of the country and the world. Um and so Flutter was born then when I started imagining that life would be better as a guy. Of course, I got older and realized uh, guys have problems too. They have their own set of difficulties. It's different. You know, looking back on all of that is, is where Flutter came from. There are other things that influence Flutter. Um, there's, a, there's a whole environmental, I don't want to give away spoilers too. I'm horrible at doing that about other things. Well, here, tell you what, what I'll, I'll do this then. <laughs> this, this is the blanket that absolves all of us. So, okay, okay uh, for anyone who's listening, we might get into a tad bit of spoilers. We're going to try our best, but if you, know, if you hear some, you might not even know the spoilers yet if you haven't read the book yet. So just right. if you have heard it, yeah. 
they may be spoilers. <laughs> and volume two isn't out yet, so we're not going to discuss what's happening. What's happening with that or in that volume? Oh, see, you ruined everything because the whole point of getting you on the show is that way you could just tell me what happens in volume two. Because I was as soon as I finished the book, I shot you a direct message like, "I need you on the show," and I'm like, "Please talk about volume two. I need to know what happens." I know. I wanted to get you a copy before uh, we did this interview, but uh, we are working on the last pages right now, so no worries. Yeah, we're hoping we're hoping to have it off to the printers within the next week, week and a half. All right. So um, anyway, continue with the spoiler. I apologize for interrupting. <laughs> yeah, but there's um, there's a whole you know in terms of uh, the protagonist's name is Lily, and there's a whole backstory on why how she can shapeshift, and um, it it deals with her dad and and issues with the environment, and a lot of that is based on I had a close friend in college who uh, died. He had leukemia and he um the doctors believe he uh, got sick from contaminated well water so oh god yeah so that is um that plays into it too i mean there's just a lot of different uh elements from my life and from people i love and and as a teenager and, and or into early college that um that play into flutter right and it was such a great read because on one end, I was just basically reading it from a comic book fan, especially a lover of sci-fi. So you have that uh, supernatural element, of course, I'm trying to figure out, okay, how is she uh, literally able to transform from a, uh, a girl to a guy and so on and so forth? But then, as you go on, that part of the story, not that it became less interesting, but then it started focusing more on the identity aspect. And you have, of course, she's she's in love with this girl. And, of course, again, it's that small town, especially in high school, which there's still, unfortunately, that stigma between, you know, as friends, especially with girls I've noticed who, every time they're close friends, and I, this feels bad because even in my old high school, anytime you, you know, you would see two females together who are very close, of course, you know, you hear in the hallways, people are like, oh, they must be lesbians and this and that, as if there was this terrible thing. And it, it's, it was just a really, it kind of brought it back to, like, high school and some of the things that go on and things that people whisper when they think nobody's looking. Right, exactly. I mean, yeah, anytime two women are close, um, I, you know, still run into that here and there. Like you, I, I become close to another woman or close to another lesbian, you know, if, if it's a certain point in my life where I've been single, everyone assumes that you're together. It's just kind of crazy. And that definitely happened to me in high school. I had one friend in particular, I was very, very close to, and, and everyone just assumed that, um, and for some reason I was oblivious to that rumor, probably cause I didn't want to hear it. Cause I wasn't out to myself in, in high school. Like I, I just needed to survive. I needed to get out of the South and out of the small town. So my focus was on making the grades, uh, getting a scholarship, saving whatever money I could from my movie theater job. And I remember one morning on the way to school, this friend and I stopped by Burger King for breakfast. And, and she told me, she's right. like, everyone thinks we're lesbians and are a couple. And that just totally shocked me. <laughs> like, Looking back on it, I'm like, how could it? I mean, we weren't. The thing is, is like, I, it was so buried. Like, even if there was any attraction between us, it it would have been so buried. But that's not the point. The point is, is like what everyone in the hallway saw was, you know, two girls being all being close, and so they assume and they say things. It's really the problem is not the fact that you are close, but the fact that they say things, and it's. 
hurtful things at that because it's never you know unfortunately it's not always oh even let's just say even if you work together it's never just oh that's cool but then you know there's that negative aspect that comes with it and it's it's unbelievable that even as an adult and granted i'm what 30 gonna be 31 soon and stuff like that still happens right yeah, it doesn't matter if you're a couple or not. I mean, if you are a couple, you're suddenly everyone's like wanting to gossip about you. It, it's it, it's it's a really harsh environment to do any type of uh, exploration or growing or, or search for who you are. But okay, but I have to ask though. So then, seeing as how the overall story reflects on your mm-hmm. life. So then, as far as how did then the I guess the I guess the sci-fi part of things start coming into overall story between the shape-shifting and the the fact that you know she's basically on a run. What I realized, someone we were I was talking recently to someone about my my favorite two genres uh, of anything in terms of like uh, books or movies or, or television and. I've I've just always loved sci-fi and I've always loved coming of age. My some of my favorite novels are coming of age novels and and some of my favorite uh, most of my favorite TV film, all of that stuff since I was a kid is sci-fi. So I think when I went back to my teen years to kind of um, the where the root is of Flutter, the, the sci-fi element is there too. You know, those same cousins who got me thinking about imagining my life as a guy, that my life would be better as a guy, they're the same ones who exposed me to, you know, things like Star Wars and, and the Japanese animated series Star Blazers, which I became Ooh, obsessed with. They had, my cousin had it on VHS tapes, and I would just watch that series uh, to no end. And so I think sci-fi has always been there. With Flutter, when I first started working on it, I didn't plan it to be a graphic novel series or a comic series. I started it as prose. I started it as a short story. Um, and maybe I, I had the idea of maybe developing it into a novel. Um, but the story felt too flat. It just felt too static. And then I played around with it as a screenplay teleplay, and I couldn't get my head around the bad special effects of the shape-shifting, even though I knew the special <laughs> such a long way. But in my head, I just, I don't know. I, just, I kept seeing her morph in some really ridiculous way on screen. And around that time, I had made my way back to comics. I took you know, time off, as most people do, in late high school, college. You get distracted. And I found my way back into comics through graphic novels. Graphic novels like Fun Home and Blankets and especially Brian K. Vaughn's Why the Last Man. And I, when I was... Oh, that's such a great I series. Know, and that's usually the series that... I, I spoil for people. So I'm going to be very careful talking about why the last man for the, you know, the people who have not gotten to that series yet. Um, and and they should. <laughs> it's amazing. But with why the last man, there was just, it's such an epic story. The characters are so grounded. Um, they feel like people, you know, they just, I love that series so much that I'm like, this is what I want to do with flutter. I want to do a graphic novel series. I felt like I could do it. It just opened up, uh, th- that imagination, that door for me when I was reading that. And it just happened to be around the same time I was trying to figure out what to do with Flutter. And once I tried it as a comic, as a graphic novel series, it just fell into place. That's funny that you mentioned that you were working on like a, a screenplay teleplay because I could definitely see this being a, 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 like, a, like a young adult series. I think this is, especially for, you know, it, it's very timely. And I think this would be a perfect time for a story like this. 
because it plays with so many elements that I think a long form of storytelling would really lend itself to. Yeah. It, yeah. It's interesting. You know, I, t- I've, this was my second summer out, uh, in uh, Comic-Con International, San Diego Comic-Con. And yeah, it's gotten quite a response when I go. So we'll see what happens with, with TV and film with it. It'll be, it would be interesting to see if it comes back to that since that's how I, I started playing around with it. And we're going to uh, work on a volume three. I've always seen it in terms in, in the graphic novel format in three volumes. And that's, I mean, standard. We tend to think in trilogies. And, uh, you know, I'll start working on, on volume three soon. I want to I want to enjoy getting volume two out the door first. <laughs> Given the origins behind the overall story, was there anything that maybe you can give a little bit of insight to as far as the second book or, you know, maybe your journey into writing the follow-up to this? I, I, we were just talking about um, when right before we went on about how we both love winter. But I was in a particularly dark place during not this past winter, but the winter before when I was working on volume two. And I think the time of year that you work on something does affect you and kind of like your emotional state. So volume two is darker and Lily grows up. She uh, realizes that she can't run away from her problems, that even a 15-year-old shapeshifter, shapeshifter can't run away from who she is. And she has to deal with what she's done. I mean, you can't run around pretending to be someone else and not feel the ramifications right. of that. So it's about accountability. It's about growing up. We uh, are joking around that uh, the way we like to describe it, and I mean by we, I mean Jeff McComsey, the artist. And we also, for volume two, we added... Chris Goodwin is our colorist, and Jeff McClellan is our letterer. So we've gone from a team of two to a team of four. And we just describe it as Flutter Grows Up, and that's volume two in a nutshell, without giving away any spoilers. (laughs) See, I was going to say, not working, is it? I was trying just a little bit, just trying to, like, poke and prod (laughs) a little bit. And maybe at some point you're like, all right, fine, here's the entire rundown of what happens. I'm I'm messing with you. I'm sorry. I was... <laughs> no, no, no. I, you know, I know that um, it, it's probably good to talk about how we do flesh out more the, the sci-fi elements, more why she can shapeshift. I don't like to focus too much on that. I'm a big fan of things like um, Midnight in Paris, the film, the the time travel film that Woody Allen, I'm not a big fan of Woody Allen yeah. person, but the film That's always the worst part, isn't it? Like, I can, he makes my skin crawl, I'm sorry, I'm just going to come out and say it, I, but damn, I love some of his movies so much, I hate it. I know, I um, finally got fed up and just tossed all his DVDs, I didn't even go to Newberry Comics to sell them, I just tossed them in the trash, but... I like to, I, Mid, Midnight in Paris is a good reference in terms of not um, explaining too much. I mean, he can just travel, the Owenson character can just travel through time. Like, they don't go into much detail yeah. of why or how. And I think that that is important, that you don't want to get tripped up too much on that. But we do go into uh, some of the backstory of of how Lily got to this point and how her parents got to the the points where they are. Uh, We do explore more of the gender uh, identity and, and how she feels as a guy and how she's treated as a guy and does she prefer living as a guy. And, you know, that's always... That was hard to write because I wanted to be true to Lily, and I know that um, Flutter resonates with a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, like any any work you put out there, it doesn't resonate with everyone to begin with. But 
you know, Lily had has her own journey and and came to her own conclusion in, in volume two in terms of which gender she prefers to to live in twenty four seven. I mean, being a shapeshifter, she can she can you know play around and run around as anyone, but. But I wanted her to kind of come to terms with just um, who she is and, and who she prefers to be, you know, at the end of the day. And that's going to be really interesting because in my own head, I have ideas as to where this is going to go. But again, like your uh-huh. film, like every time I think I have a handle on what's going to happen, there there takes all these left turns. And I and I love that. And again, that's what keeps me coming back. Thank you. It, that, it's really hard because, I, you know, I have my journey and then we all have our own individual journeys. And, and you try to come to the work without an agenda, without you want to be a good host for the reader. You, you want uh, it to be there and and entertain the reader, entertain the audience. Um, but at the end of it all, you have to get out of the way of the story and, and not come to the table with an agenda and just let the character and let the story go where they want to go uh, and just get out of the way of it. And since the beginning with, with Letter, whenever I've been able to do that, I mean, in the beginning, it wanted to become a comic or graphic novel series. And since then, just let the story and, and the characters become who they are and go where they want to go. I mean, that's... Uh, that's been a wonderful thing for me, um, but also a learning experience of just try to come to the table without an agenda and, and not worry and, and get out of the way of it. I guess that's got to be pretty challenging. Now, I mean, I don't have anything published, but you know, I do dabble in writing on a side and I have for years. And that's something that is very tough, I've noticed, is once you have something established, like you said, letting the story just kind of take it where it may as opposed to kind of putting too much of an agenda because I can't imagine when Flutter came out, it's getting all this great press. And of course with that comes fans and with fans also comes expectations. So I can't imagine what that must be like to now continue the story to then write the story, how you personally want it to write it, you know, like the characters, like you said, the natural progression, but now you have a bunch of fans who of course, like, like me are drawing their own conclusions and I'm not going to lie. I don't know. I'm not probably not the first to say this, but we can be kind of terrible sometimes when it comes to fandom. <laughs> oh, I I was ready to break up with Orphan Black. Every, <laughs> every season of Orphan Black. I love Orphan Black, okay? I tried to get into the Orphan Black panel last year at San Diego Comic-Con. Cried. Got into the panel. Didn't get in. Cried. Got into the panel this year. Cried. But still, I... And again, don't want to give away spoilers, but at w- once every season, at least, of Warren Black, I want to break up. I-, I just, I'm furious with the show. I'm furious with the show right now. <laughs> I won't go into why. But yes, we can, we can be terrible. And the thing with Flutter, you know, it's, there, there's, you know, what I would want to happen. There's what other people would want to happen. All those things might be different. And then there's what, there's Lily's journey. And what is that? And that that might be different than it's you know it's it's an individual. We as writers, I think you know, mo- our our objective is to write humans. It's not just these stock cliched characters. We want to get much deeper than that and write exactly. humans and write individuals. And, and so they need to go where they need to go. And you know, and with Lily, I, 
in the early going, I would go to comic conventions and, and, you know, some people would be like, well, why does she need to be a guy? Why does she need to shape shift into a guy to get a girl? And well, you don't need to be a guy or shape shift into a guy to get a girl, but Lily feels that's where she is right now. And she's exploring that. So, you know, everyone's going to have their own reaction to it and you can't, you can't worry about that or you'll just not write anything. But that's difficult though, because being someone who's older, like like I said, I mean, I'm 30 and I don't know how the age of your fan base is, which I'm sure varies, but being older does lend maybe a little dash of wisdom, even though we don't have everything figured out. And sometimes when you're far removed from the mind of, you know, a teenager, especially because I I know it sounds very cliche and everybody says it all the time, but if there was ever a time to really be unsure, trying to figure yourself out, it would be that time. And it's easy now being older and saying, well, clearly, let's say your character Lily should have done this. But (laughs) as a teenager, I mean, even now, it's like I, you know, I could not have imagined making some of the decisions I made later on. Because at that age, there's so many things you're dealing with because it's like, okay, for some, it may be their gender identity or just their, their place in the world. And also just coming to grips with just their sexuality in general. There's, there's a lot of things that play that. It's almost like a, it's like a car, it's like a four-way car crash that just, and just, there's just pieces everywhere. Right. Well, and you know, we're getting to this such a great, such a great place where, where does gender matter and this gender fluidity and away from this uh, gender binary and it's all amazing stuff. The thing with Flutter is, you know, to get beyond gender when we're, a lot of us go through this in, in junior high or high school where we're willing to do anything to be near that person that we yes. to be with. So we'll go out and we'll try out for a musical, even though we hate musicals or we hate singing. Or we'll, we'll go out for basketball, even though we don't know how to play or soccer or tennis or, or whatever, just to be near the girl or the guy that, that we want to be near. And that's what I was getting at with Flutter Um in the beginning is she has this ability to do this and she's, she'll do anything to be close to this girl. And she sees these sketches of this dream boy that her dream girl has, has sketched. And she's like, okay, I'm going to be that. I mean, we always, even as adults, I think early on in dating, we present our best self, right? It's not our real self. It's a version. Right. It's the best version of our, our self. Um, <laughs> and that's basically what she's doing, just in an extreme case. And I actually didn't think too much about kind of the ramification. Like, I remember doing a podcast early on with um, Amber Love, uh, Vodka O'Clock. And, and Amber's become a good friend of mine, but this is like right after we met. And she's like, you know, it's really kind of a crappy thing that Lily's doing, pretending to be a guy. And I, at the time, I was like, because I was so, in Lily's point of uh, view that was early on in the series for me. I hadn't started writing volume two and I was like, wow, I get, yeah, she, it's, it is really crappy, you know, to pretend to be this guy. And that's when I really started thinking about volume two and, and how Lily kind of has to, I don't want to say pay for that, but, but there's an accountability. Yeah. There's definitely consequences right. to it. So for me, it's kind of interacting with people. And I think Part of that is I have a background in theater and being in bands, so collaborating and bouncing ideas off of people. And then with writing, I've done a lot of like workshops where feedback, I love getting feedback from people because 
then I'm like, oh, I'm going to address that. I'm going to have the characters address that in, in, in correct way, you know, with the audience because you, you can't do that, but with each other or with themselves and, and work in the work itself. That's something that you did mention. That's a great point that this, the story does. It's a lot about really adolescence and doing sometimes terrible things, even if you don't even realize you're doing terrible <laughs> things because you're so driven on, on, on an objective or in this case, like, you know, getting the girl or getting the guy. And I thought back to a few times where I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm sure I can't imagine what the other person must have thought of me <laughs> when I, you know, do these right. moments. And as writers, we come, we come, uh, we can become so aligned with our characters and not worry about whether they're likable or not, because you can write a character that's unlikable. And uh, I mean, we shouldn't, you shouldn't worry about, you should love your characters and, and create humans and, and these three dimensional uh, people with lots of depth, but you don't have to like them. So, you know, I'm in Lily's head and I'm seeing the world from her point of view and I'm not thinking about, Oh yeah, she's what she's doing is is kind of crappy. I mean, you know, she's not a serial killer. She's not, um, but she's doing some damage. And so, in volume two, I wanted her to see that and, and try and um and, and rectify that. You know, you said something very interesting, which made me think about a lot <laughs> of other stories, whether it be TVs. You said, you know, about Lily. It's like as far as character, you don't have to like her, and that's kind of an interesting point because going back to Wonderful World of mm -hmm. Fandom. <laughs> The, <laughs> you know, those reactions that we have when our favorite characters maybe does something that's a little detestable. Right. And the level of fervor, it's like, how could you do this thing? But then you realize, well, A, they're people. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, they're fictional characters, but they're still, you know, with human, they have human motivations. And they're not always going to put their best foot forward. And I think in a way, kind of what makes Lily, that kind of makes her sympathetic because, again, if she were this Girl Scout, or I guess when she shares it the Boy Scout, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't really make for true, real storytelling. And it's kind of like, okay, this is right. Well, I mean, you know, when I'm thinking of characters that, you, you, that aren't t technically likable. So I think about Buffy and like how boring Riley was, but how exciting Spike was. But Spike's not a likable, you love Spike, you want to sleep with Spike, but you, he's not really this likable character. Or I'm thinking about Tony Soprano. Um, and Gandolfini was so amazing in that role and you love him, but you don't like him. Or if you do, you start examining why. And of course the great example, uh, the best example, I think, uh, from television about that in, in this subject is Walter White is Breaking Bad. And yes. I love the conversation that I, 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 that always comes up when I'm talking about Breaking Bad with people is like, when did you turn, when did you say, okay, you've gone too far, Walter White? You know, and for most people, it's typically around the, the same time with Jesse's girlfriend. I don't want to go into spoilers for the, the people who haven't seen Breaking Bad yet, because I, that's an amazing show. Uh, and it would it would suck to be have that show ruined. But it's typically for most people the same moment when, you know, he does something just you're just like, oh, my God, this is really happening. But you start to examine yourself of like why am I still rooting for this guy for me I was still rooting for him past that moment up until <laughs> far too long and everyone else around me was like I just can't root for him anymore part of that is Brian Cranston 
Yeah, he does really make himself. I've, I now just confession. I haven't watched all of the show. Um, oh. My sister and my brother in law, um, they're watching it now, so I've been kind of popping in and out while they're watching it. But I definitely understand what you're saying now because, like, Brian Cranston's just a great actor. Yes. And you can't help it. And I'm just kind of like, I really want him to get away with this. I'm like, wait a minute. Why would I ever root for a meth like meth dealer? <laughs> yeah. And he, I mean, he's, he's down, he goes down this path and he, to keep, to stay on that path and to, to keep this you know, successful business going and the, the power, he, he, he becomes obsessed with, with the power. And exactly. It, for the first time in his life, he feels empowered. I mean, you, you go from a man who was just kind of a bumbling idiot to this very powerful man, and you become addicted, and you become obsessed with it, and you don't want to lose it. So he keeps having to do one thing after another, and I think it's it's very interesting to sit back and, and kind of think, why am I still rooting for him? And that's, of course, what the creator, what Vince Gilligan, and that whole writer's room wants you to do, is kind of sit back and ask yourself, why are you still rooting for this guy? Um I love it. It's great, but it's a, it, you don't have to like him. You don't have to keep rooting for him to, uh, it's still an engaging show, an engaging story. I personally feel like, okay, unless your character is the lowest of the low. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure we can find examples here and there, but your our characters don't, it's like basically an anti-hero for all sorts of purposes. Right. They don't have to necessarily be these paradigms of uh, of, I guess, truth or, you know, clean living, what have you. But they just have to be compelling and just have something about them that makes you want them to succeed. Like, I don't know if you ever watched The Wire. That is on my list of things I have. Oh, okay, let me not say anything then, because... Uh, no, I mean, I obviously I know the premise of the show. It's one of those shows I know a ton about and I haven't seen yet. It's also okay, one of the so... shows where my friends are like, I can't believe you still haven't watched The Wire. That was, that's me in Breaking Bad. And I, I respond back and say, I can't believe you haven't watched Breaking Bad or The Sopranos or West Wing or something like that. But yeah, that is, um, yeah, we can't watch them all. I, I wish we could. It's, it's definitely on, up there on the list. <laughs> yeah, but you meant Tony Soprano, I think, is the perfect example of that. The one that comes to mind because, man, by near the end of that show, it's just, I, like, why am I feeling bad, guy? And I, I start questioning everything else do I like who's terrible. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's like you don't like him, you don't want to like him, but there's something, you, I mean, there's, you know, you can be, you can love someone and, and hate them at the same time. You can love them and not like them as a person. Um, and there's, what it comes down to is do you care? Even if you don't care about, uh, you have to care. You have to care what happens. You have to care what happens to the characters yes. and what happens in the story. You don't have to like what they're doing. Um, you don't have to necessarily like them as a person and 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 get behind what they're doing. But you have to care. And there's, uh, you know, there's nothing worse than something that you're looking forward to watching or reading, and you sit down and you're like, I don't care. Like, cause you you get excited <laughs> about something and, and the trailer or word of mouth or hype and then you sit down and you're like i just don't care what happens next that's what that's what it comes down to pretty much i forget though <laughs> i wanted to talk to you about um your other um you actually have a young adult novel a boy like me yes i would love to hear more about that uh, yeah and i'll send you a copy i meant to do that too um i've been moving this summer on top of 
getting Flutter 2 done. So it's been it's been a crazy summer. But A Boy Like Me, I started working on at the same time as Flutter. I actually finished that between Flutter Volume 1 and Volume 2. I like to work on two things at once so that when I get I hit a wall with one or I, I need a break from one, I can work on the other. Yeah. But A Boy Like Me is a young adult novel about a southern teenage transgender boy. Uh, in a small town, the whole town thinks he's a butch lesbian, and he's not. It's from his first-person point of view, uh, so I get to really get in his head. And it's all about his journey, embracing who he is, so he could be he can be with the girl who loves him. And she sees him for who he really is. Um, I've recorded uh, a set of songs that are referenced in the novel. Those songs are from the point of view of the girl who loves him. Um, and those songs are on my website. And A Boy Like Me, all, uh, Flutter and A Boy Like Me, all of that is available at, at JennyWood.com. But A Boy Like Me, I wanted to do a, a story that was different from my own. Um, there's a huge difference between imagining my life as a guy and, and being born a guy and being assigned the wrong gender at birth. And it, it was important to me to... Um, Explore that story and get it right. So I worked with uh, a teenage transgender boy who's around the same age as Peyton. He was a consultant on the novel. He read oh, wow. the whole novel with me, uh, and we went through it together. Just wanted to get um, everything right. And, of course, Peyton is the protagonist in this novel, and his journey is an individual one. It's not... It, it doesn't uh, even... I wouldn't want to try to, to speak for... Um, any or all trans individuals. It, this is Peyton's story. It's a very individual story. It's a Southern boy. He struggles with language and with being able to express himself much the same way all my guy cousins and uncles and dad and all the old school Southern guys that, that raised me do. So it's it's about his struggle with expressing himself, his struggle with language and, and what it means to be a guy in a town in the South today. Which, again, I, I can't wait to read that. I could not really understand what that must be like, especially for someone so young. And, I mean, granted, living in Northeast and New Jersey, I mean, it's not like it's different. But, again, I know with the South, it's very conservative in a lot of areas. And that that's, it's a fantastic story. And, well, God bless them. I mean, holy shit. Yeah, thank you. You know, you mentioned Jersey, and I know Chris Christie just vetoed a bill um, this week. <sighs> Boy, yeah, um, that would allow trans individuals to change uh, their birth the gender on their birth certificates, and, and so my point of that is still everywhere. You know, uh, there, yeah, Caitlyn Jenner is all over the news, but and, and that's I think doing way more good than harm, and 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 getting um, so much awareness out there. But there's still so much to do, and I think there's a danger in in becoming complacent and thinking we've come so far. Uh, with LGBTQ rights across the board, and we have, but there's still so much to do everywhere, whether it's New Jersey or North Carolina. This mentality, I feel, I mean, not to shift gears, but it's gotten us in a lot of trouble by saying, well, it's, you know, 2015, people assume that this stuff just automatically just stopped. And while I know the Supreme Court's ruling was a great thing, but it's one step in a very large, in a, in a, a very large issue that still needs to be addressed. Right. Yes. Yeah. Just... To put it in geek terms, it's like, yes, we blew up the Death Star, but the Empire still exists. Right. Yes. That's perfect. I might steal that. <laughs> feel free to steal that. I just thought about it just now because it's like, yes, we feel, yeah, by all means, we should celebrate this because this it's a momentous 
momentous thing, and it's another it's another big step in hopefully pushing towards the equality that we so deserve. But as we've learned, whether it be in I guess let's say gay rights or trans rights or even just the rights of all citizens, you know, including people of color, is that with each step in progress, there's that immediate pushback. Oh yes, it's two words and one step back, or vice versa, even. Right, and it's terrible, but it's like you, you you make you make these strides, and it's great, but you can't, and it sucks that you can't even celebrate too long because you know tomorrow some some other incident's gonna go off that's unfortunately then gonna try to shake up that momentum and try that progress. But the thing is, one thing it's forward motion, and hopefully by I would like to say in our lifetime, but I mean, unfortunately, I think about the possibility that it might not be in our lifetime that these things maybe won't be an issue or even if they are an issue it won't be such an uphill climb right yes yeah i hope in our lifetime (laughs) but that's what i love about this book and the other work that you have and others of your ilk is that these stories i think can translate and anybody can really get something from them and okay maybe i don't necessarily have the same issue, let's say, another reader may have, but maybe we can all take something and realize that this is still something that's very prevalent in our in our society. Right. An awareness of it. Um, yes. You know, Flutter has uh, gotten a great response. It's gotten a great response from uh, the comics community, people who love indie comics, people who've been doing comics for a long time, a lot of guys. Um, I took this, I exhibited at Appleseed Con last spring, spring 2014, which is in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I had a great response from it there, um, really all over Chicago, um, Rhode Island, um, obviously here, here in Boston and San Diego. So it's I've gotten a great a great response from it. And beyond comic conventions, um, we've gotten readers all over the world. Readers in Syria, uh, which happens. Holy because, crap! <laughs> I know digital. They can download it. It's I, that's amazing. Um, and, and you know, and not not just Flutter, but all all the comics that uh, that people can download and and read and access that they couldn't years ago. Well, one thing I do love about this series is the fact that music plays a very big part of it. Yes, I love. Yeah, we can talk about music all night. Oh man, I was gonna say maybe I should have started <laughs> first though because in terms of getting into that creative mode mm-hmm. like i'd imagine music is also a very big part of that yeah i listened to uh your podcast with uh rika and uh your the red style podcast from a couple weeks ago. yeah and rika like she she bugged me out with that I i'm know. still like How? i actually didn't know that about her i didn't know that she didn't uh play music when she, when she writes um because i know that she, she's a huge music lover too um i early drafts i do I do listen to music. Um, I have to, it just, um, there's such an emotional charge that comes from music for me. So all of my early drafts, I listen to music while I'm writing. Um, and you know, it's, it always finds its way in. I don't set out to, um, to always make music references or have uh, a character who is always a musician. Uh, it's just like, I don't, in both flutter and like me, there's uh, characters playing basketball. There's mentions of cheer wine, which is a soft drink that was invented in my hometown in North Carolina. 
Um, yeah, by the way, what was that exactly? Because I didn't. I felt like I thought I knew what it was, but it turns out I didn't. Enlighten us. What is cheer wine exactly? Cheer wine is a soft drink. It's like cherry Coke. It's very similar to cherry Coke, but it tastes better, of course. I'm going to say that. It's, uh, Wait, hold on. Something's better than cherry Coke? Yeah. Um, but it's called cheer wine, and a lot of people think that it uh, is an alcoholic drink, but it's not. It's a soft drink that's sold in the South, basically Virginia through Florida. But you can find it. Um, Tasty Burger sells it, so the chain Tasty Burger sells cheer wine. Um, it was invented, I believe, in 1915 in uh, my small town in North Carolina, and I just grew up on it. I, I had one every day, and so when writing about my childhood or teen years or even not, I mean, a boy like me is is very far from my own story, but it, it made its way in because it's... A boy like me is set in a fictional town in North Carolina, and they'll sell they sell cheer wine there as they would in any uh, town in, in North Carolina. So it, it made its way in. But music, uh, you know, it's I'm an emotional person. I'm an emotional writer, and music is is my first love, and and I just feed off of it. I always listen to music right before I start writing. Um, and then just uh, it, it just keeps playing while I'm writing. Very cool. Because halfway through the story. How great would it be if, like, at the end of the book, you actually have, like, oh, hey, here's a uh, a Flutter mixtape. Like, here's the stuff I was listening to during this. That's not a bad idea. I thought about that. I thought about doing some type of, um, you know, music tie-in with it. Um, I'd love to do something uh, with a, a digital download where you could click on something and, and click on a link and hear, hear music and stuff like that. So maybe for a future release of, of both the volumes or something like that, we could do that as an add-in. Ginny, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I'm so glad you had the time to chat with me. Thanks so much for having me. Anytime, and you're you're more welcome to come back. But before we go, I'm always a fan of promotion. So please, please, please tell everybody who's listening where they can yeah, find uh, Jennywood.com, and, and that has links to you can read the first chapter of Flutter for free, and uh, it has links to where you can find Flutter online, download at Comicsology, buy the book, A Boy Like Me, the same thing. I'm on Twitter and Tumblr at Jennywood and Did. Um, and if you're going to comic conventions, I'm at Baltimore, which is where we'll have Volume 2 in, on September 25th, that weekend. And I'm at New York Comic Con in October and the Massachusetts Independent Comics Expo in mid-October. That's the last comic convention I'm doing for the year. Thanks a lot. And for everybody else, this is Adrian Has Issues, and we will see you next issue. Welcome to Adrian Has Issues post-credits bonus. And as I promised, at the end of the episode, I tell you how you could win two free passes to New York Comic Con. That's two three-day passes to New York Comic Con. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, the three-day passes, you can get those easily. Um, I don't know if you checked the websites. Everything, I think, with the exception of Thursday, is sold out. Yeah, they got sold the hell out almost within minutes of uh, being on sale a couple months ago. 
So believe me, this is a hot ticket. These, this is crazy. They're kind of like blood diamonds right now. They're very sought out for, but of course, you need to know how it is you can get a hold of these or how you can actually enter to win the contest. So how does this work exactly? All right, I'm about to tell you. I'm taking part in Pete's Basement's comic book podcast scavenger hunt. The way it works is I'm gonna give you a trivia question. Once I give you the trivia question, you then go to petesbasement.com slash NYCC underscore giveaway. That's petesbasement.com slash NYCC giveaway and fill in your answer on the entry form. If you're correct, that gets you five entries to win tickets. On the form, you'll see links to all the other podcasts that are participating in this contest. So click the links, listen to those podcasts, and find out another trivia question that are worth five more entries to win the New York Comic Con tickets. The contest itself is over on September 17th. No purchase necessary. Terms and conditions apply. And um, you can always go to Pete'sBasement.com for details. See, it's pretty easy, right? That That's pretty awesome. I mean, you really don't even have to do much. Most times, you got to go on eBay, and even there, tickets are probably expensive. You might have to, like, loan shark and then break your leg, so then you have to possibly go to New York Comic Con mortally wounded. But see, this is pretty easy. So... I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to give you your trivia question. I'm a big Moon Knight fan. Huge fan of Moon Knight. Absolutely love him. Which Marvel comic book did Moon Knight first appear in? And, okay, just so you know, don't yell that out at uh, at your phone or your computer because that's not going to get you in. Like I said, go to petesbasement.com slash NYCC underscore giveaway and fill out the answer in the entry form there. And that'll get you five entries into this contest. And also, go check out the other podcasts. Listen to theirs. They're all amazing. Listen to them. Answer those questions. And if you're correct on those, that gives you even more entries. That question again is, which Marvel comic book did Moon Knight first appear in? You got that? Awesome. So I've already given you the directions. If you have any uh, issues, go to <laughs> have you have any issues. That's pretty awesome. Go to Pete'sBasement.com for more details. And there you have it. And good luck. And whoever's listening, I hope you win. And I hope you have a great time. Because again, these tickets are very hard to find. They're hard to get a hold of. So answer those questions, get those entries, and get to the show.